All right, are we going to do this? Are we going to do the same old song and dance again, huh? You can answer that. I think the answer is yeah. Yeah, we're going to do this again. I'll be asking a lot of questions on this podcast. Feel free to answer them. I don't care where you are. Driving, walking, alone with a bunch of people. Just answer these questions. Some of them rhetorical. Some of them have concrete answers. But I got some big questions to throw at you today. On the old Here We Go podcast, it's episode 49, I feel like I'm going to get the profanity out of the way early. I'm just going to drop the F-bomb early in the podcast, and then I vow no more swearing. I mean, in this episode. So for some reason, I'm going to challenge myself to get the profanity out of the way immediately, and then no more swearing. We're going to clean this up. We're going to clean this up like a Jerry Seinfeld comedy act. Uh, Here we go. Okay, um... It's been raining really fucking hard lately. See, you could really understand what kind of weather we're having. If I just said, it's been raining lately, like a lot of rain, you'd be like, okay, sounds like it's been raining. But if I say, it's been raining really fucking hard lately, you go, whoa, that sounds like a real downpour. Atmospheric river? I had to Google this. What the fuck is an atmospheric river? I'll tell you what it is. It's when it just doesn't stop raining until your house slides down a hill. Honestly, last night in bed, I thought the roof was just going to open. I was ready for it. I was actually bracing myself for the roof saying, fuck it, I can't take it anymore, and just opening up. And at that point, I would say, we're camping. Hey, we're camping in our home. We're camping in our home. It's been raining, raining, raining really fucking hard. All right, no more swearing. Starting now. Now it gets real clean. It goes from NC-17 to rated G. Just like that. Just like that. Okay, you realize when something is coming in the not-too-distant future, it doesn't really make sense yet. Like, even if you've heard about it, you try to understand the concept, you've read about it, But you still go, eh, I don't know. I don't know if the world needs that. I don't know if the world's ready for that. But you know it's coming. Not like a hundred years from now. But you know it's right around the corner. So before I get to the current examples of that, I do remember in 1999, I vividly remember visiting my dad when he lived in Colorado. He lived there for maybe six days. Maybe six years. I don't know. The memory ain't what it used to be. But I visited my dad in Colorado. And he cut out an article for me. And it was about TiVo. TiVo. You can pause live TV, record your shows. And it wasn't like the first time you could record TV shows. We had VCRs. You could program the old recording. But TiVo was promising to revolutionize the television viewing experience. And I read the whole article. This is 1999, right after I graduated high school. The summer after, I remember visiting him. Took a big old road trip. And I said... I don't think we need it. Pause live TV, rewind live TV, fast forward live TV. And then the machine starts to understand the shows you like and the themes of the type of programming you're into. And it starts to just record a bunch of shows in the realm of what it believes you're interested in. And this was supposed to be a big deal at the time. And I don't even think I was cynical. I was even worse than cynical. I was like, nope, meaningless. Don't need it. It'll go out of business. God, was I wrong. Of course I was wrong. Everybody has DVR nowadays. Honestly, who doesn't have DVR? Actually, I think you have to have DVR if you have any sort of cable provider, AT&T, Xfinity, Comcast. It just comes with DVR. You don't watch a show when it's on TV. 
Nobody watches Saturday Night Live at 11.30 p.m. Nobody even knows what night of the week their show is on if they're still watching basic cable or network TV. Most people are into the Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu game by now. So you could just watch whenever you want. But I think we all remember when you knew what shows were on on Monday and you had to be done with dinner, dishes done, get on the couch, and then that is the exact time your show begins. And at the commercial breaks, use the bathroom, get a snack, but then get back to the couch when the show resumes. The shows controlled us back then. Nowadays, watch a show whenever you want in how many intervals you want. So, of course, TiVo, when it was first introduced, didn't sound like it made a lot of sense, but now you can't live without it. It's just become normal. So I was talking to my students, and I asked them this question. I said, if you had a soldier from the Civil War, you know, go back to the 1860s, take one of these soldiers today, and then bring them back, 2019, today, for just one day, what do you think would be the most shocking development? And we were talking about the evolution of war materials and weapons. So that's where the conversation began. We always get off on tangents. Tangents are the best. You know, just talking about the type of weapons they used in the Civil War versus nowadays with the automatic sniper rifles and, oh yeah, nuclear weapons. You know, the threat of global annihilation. We kind of got ahead of ourselves, wouldn't you say? Went a little out of control with the old war technology. Advancing military weaponry to a point where now, yeah, we can't have another global conflict or else we're all gone. It's that simple. So it started off with a conversation about weapons and then it just evolved into, how about us? What would shock us? Muggsy, shut the fuck up. Sorry, I swore. Maybe I'll delete that. Maybe I'll edit that out. But when an old beagle starts to cough, while you're in the middle of a point, it's a little distracting. I think you know that. Shh. You know the old saying, when an old beagle coughs in the middle of your podcast. I lost my train of thought. I was saying self-driving cars. Think about this. All right, here's the point. Here's the whole point. It's coming. It was just in the news this week that Volkswagen is putting up $2 billion to team up with Ford and all the research and engineering that goes into manufacturing self-driving cars. To me... That sounds like something that should still be a hundred years away. But then I have students who go, no, it already exists. I saw one. You always have the student who goes, I saw it already exists. My dad's friend has one. Really? Yeah. I see him on the road all the time. Kids unimpressed with things that I'm very impressed by self-driving cars. Let's just say it is right around the corner or we're on the highway and we just see, I don't know why that's the sound effect of a car without a driver, but you know what I mean? Is it a fun idea or is it a scary idea? I'll tell you what it is, a necessary idea. Because we're going to have so many of these teens getting their licenses is not an easy word to pluralize, but we're going to have so many teens driving from this current generation. And these are the teens that are so addicted to their phones, they don't even know it's stigmatized to be on your phone at all times. And I mean at all times. If you haven't seen a teen in the last few years, they are connected to their phones. Most of them. Maybe not all, but I feel like a giant majority. My sample size, I'd say 88%, just connected to their phones. And these kids, these teens who are going to be behind the wheel are probably going to be texting and driving more so than we've ever seen before. Why do I just say texting and driving? They're going to be on apps. 
They're going to be looking things up. They're going to be tweeting. They're going to be snapping. They're going to be clicking like on Instagram photos. Not just at a stop sign, not just at a red light, but I honestly think they're going to get pretty good at it. I'm not trying to give them a compliment, but I honestly think this generation of new drivers are going to become the most talented users of cell phones while driving. It's a terrible concept. It's scary to think some people are getting really good at it. But you know who you are if you're listening to this right now. You know if you text and drive. You know, if you're on a road that's like, you know, 25 miles an hour, a suburban road, a side road, maybe you get to the stop sign, boom, you pull out your phone because it buzzed. You check, it's a text from a friend, and you just immediately start texting. You know you do it. You do. You don't want to admit it right now, but you're like, I've done it. I mean, I've done it, but it was urgent. Really? Don't you do it every day all the time? So isn't this going to become the ugliest time ever to be on the road? The scariest, most dangerous time ever to be on the road? My sophomores who are getting their licenses? Zzzzzz? I don't want to see them on the road. These are the same kids that can't put down the phones throughout the day. You think they're really going to be 100% focused on the road? I say no. So the idea that this coincides with self-driving cars being right around the corner, this is the perfect confluence of events. Phone-addicted teens on the highways. Phone-addicted teens on the highways. Let them, but just don't let them drive those cars on the highways. They could still have cars. Sure, play a little game at the DMV called you got your license, but you actually can't touch the steering wheel or the brakes or the accelerator. Sure, but you could still say I'm in the driver's seat, whatever you need. Now, if it happens in my lifetime where that's the norm, I don't know, maybe I'll be in my 50s, 60s, 70s, and it'll just be the norm. There are the pros and cons. You got to really think it through. What are the pros? Let me start there because that's the obvious reason companies are putting so much money into it. The pros are obvious. Number one, no more drunk drivers. No more innocent people being killed by drunk drivers, right? And this is if people know. Sorry, just now my wife texted me a video of a raccoon in our backyard. I'm going to post this. I don't ever post videos on whatever social media I'm on, but this is an amazing video. My wife just texted me of a raccoon in our backyard. Oh, how exciting. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Eliminate drunk driving. DUIs, goodbye. It's a thing of the past. Or just careless driving. Or the people who are on their phones and getting into car crashes. That's all done. Goodbye. Eliminated. So I guess it could eliminate just crashes, period, right? Whatever computer software program these cars are connected to, they will never crash. If they would crash, then why are we even having self-driving cars? Why is it even a conversation? If we're going to have self-driving cars that also crash, we should probably just abort this mission immediately. But no, I think that's the idea, that they'll be censoring other cars, and they'll know when to accelerate and decelerate, slow down, speed up. It'll be a beautiful sight on the road. And I guess another pro is no more speeding tickets. How about that? A cop cannot pull you over And say, do you know how fast you were going? You just go, no, I programmed this car the way everybody programs their cars. So in a sense, I guess you could lift the speed limits. Make them 100. If everybody's safely going 100. I guess I'm envisioning self-driving cars never crashing and there's no danger. 
You have to perfect the system if we're going to adopt this. It still sounds sci-fi. It still sounds bizarre. But according to my students, it's, it's happening already. Yeah, my dad's friend. My dad's cousin's friend, his neighbor, uh, has a self-driving car. My dad's half-brother, or was it his stepbrother's aunt, her neighbor knew someone. She worked with somebody that had a self-driving car. Really? Is this a true story? Does anybody really know someone who bought a self-driving car? Can you? All right, here's the cons. They'll be very expensive. I read uh, anywhere from like one hundred dollars to $300,000. And just like anything that comes out, immediately it won't be good. Immediately these cars will probably be flawed and some hacker could get into the programming system that programs your car and ruin it. And they could program you to just drive off every cliff. Why every cliff? Why not just the closest cliff? <laughs> Maybe someone programming your car, hackers, evil hackers, would program your car to do some bad things. So that sounds like a con relying on a computer. I know if we rely on computers for everything, we're supposed to say, well, computers are smarter than us. AI, artificial intelligence, this is just another example of it. I guess another con is bus drivers, truck drivers, taxi drivers, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Even Uber drivers, we don't need you anymore. And then I guess this could be a con. I just thought of this. Too many of these cars on the road. Because then everybody would say, I want a car. Usually what keeps somebody away from driving is the fact that they don't want to drive the vehicle, maybe a fear. Some people are just scared of driving and they don't want to. Well, these people would still say, yeah, if I'm not driving the car, then I want one. So maybe you'd have too many cars on the road. Could that lead to more traffic? I don't know. That one's kind of empty. The whole point is in the not too distant future, there are things that are going to be happening that sound pretty ridiculous to me right now. But if I'm still alive during it, just like TiVo, it will normalize. It'll just seem normal. Here's another one we talked about. Gender selection. So this exists nowadays to a certain extent for people that are having fertility problems, fertility issues. There's IVF and gender selection goes along with that. You see which sperm are the strongest. You know, it's based on sperm separation, genetic testing. And then I guess the couple can pick the desired sex and then implant that right into the woman. So there are some couples that can do that, but it's if you have to take the expensive IVF route. However, the idea that anybody and everybody will one day just be able to say, yeah, we're having a boy or we're having a girl, you know, pay a little more. And I don't know the science behind it. I don't even really understand, but they say that's coming soon. That's coming soon. We're just the average Joe Schmo and Jane Doe, Muggsy enough, can say, yeah, we've had two boys, now we're going to have a girl. Take the mystery out of it entirely. The pros and cons. I'm asking you this question. What are the main pros and cons if couples can select the gender? Answer me. Maybe you're playing God. Isn't that the number one? You're playing God. You're manipulating humanity. But then again, I guess you're setting yourself up for zero disappointment. I feel like that's how I know I was mature enough to be a parent. The ability to accept any gender and say, I'll just love it. Love any of them. But that'll be normal soon. Soon, I guess. That'll be the way people have babies. Yeah, we're going for uh, paraboys. You're just... Implant some twins, twin boys. We already named them. We named them last week. That's Gary and Donovan. 
I'm not sure what this microphone picks up, but are you hearing this old, old beagle? He has a goiter the size of Texas under his jaw, and I think it's inhibiting his ability to breathe in and out with ease. So it's wheezing into coughing, wheezing into coughing, and then the coughing turns into dry heaving. So it's a wonderful sound. I hope my microphone is picking it up. Yeah, keep it up, pal. Keep it up. Probably needs to be aspirated. Okay, where were we? Oh yeah, you know there's examples of things you read about maybe when you were a kid and you said, wow, if that ever happens, that'll sound like a brave new world. It'll sound like 1984, George Orwell. And then it happens and you go, all right, guess it's just a part of our world. How about speech translation? Speak a language you don't. This exists in your own voice. I believe there's an app now. And this is something... A few years ago, that sounded like, whoa, 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 that can't happen. And now it happens. There's an app where you speak into it and it just translates into another language. So let's say you go to Italy. You don't speak Italian. You go into a shop. You just speak into your phone and then you play the phone to whoever's in the shop, whichever Italian person is able to now hear you. That means you don't have to learn any languages. Your phone will just translate your voice into a language. Speech translation. I don't know how any of this works. Of course I don't. But I truly believe we've reached a point, technologically, where nobody really understands how any of this stuff works. We just do it. We just do it. Even the simplest thing like text messaging. We don't really know how it works, do we? Don't, don't, don't tell me. Yeah, of course, it's just uh, the waves that connect through the Wi-Fi and the password and the auxiliary mainframe. No, 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 no. Don't Google it. Don't Google it. Do you really know how text messaging works? No. So when I start talking about speech translation, it's an app on your phone where if you went to China, you could just speak into the phone and boom, all of a sudden you're speaking Chinese. That's insane. That's nuts. I mean, it's cool, I guess. But it just sounds like a movie that's going to come out in the year 3000 but it already exists here in 2019. We are currently living in a brave new world, a new hey, hey, who hey. I think I'm just going to translate some of the things I talk about with 16-year-olds all day. Another thing we talked about today, uh, under these totalitarian regimes, the idea of censorship, or some people, some teens, you know, they don't have the ability to just dress the way they want and listen to the music they want and go to all the websites they want and stream the shows and movies on Netflix that they want, but a place like North Korea where they censor the channels on your TV, the websites you can go to, the songs you can listen to, the books you can read. It's all filtered through the government. And it sounds terrible. You know, they take away basic rights and freedoms. And this is what Stalin did. And this is what Hitler did. And this is what Mussolini did. And creating cults of personality. Worship me. There's no religion in this country anymore. You have no rights. You worship me. You honor me. Anybody who doesn't, purged. Goodbye. And then if enough years go by and these youngsters who are indoctrinated and censored grow up, then of course you got them like programmed to worship you and follow your dictatorship. So the old, doesn't this give you perspective moment? You know, isn't that the goal as a history teacher? And aren't we experiencing perspective Maybe appreciate some things in your life now. I had a kid raise his hand and go, yeah, well, they censor us here. And he was alluding to the fact that the high school does not allow students to go to certain websites throughout the day. Internet filtering. And it's true. You can't just go to a porn site, a gambling site, an alcohol site, 
gaming, you know, all the things that you shouldn't be doing in school. Yeah, I guess you could say this is censorship, but it might be a fine line that schools have to tiptoe so they don't feel like they're inhibiting a student's ability to search the World Wide Web. They should just call it the web. It's not the World Wide Web at a high school because they'll abuse it. We know they will. It's weird to think there probably would be a few kids just watching porn. I'm trying to teach and they're just on their phones enjoying a little bit of pornography or playing video games or all the many websites we know they shouldn't be on. So I'm all for it. If that's a form of censorship that offends the teens, then at least they're putting it together. There's a purpose. I did have a coworker, the guy I share a wall with, government teacher, good guy, good guy, mentioned that there are some dangers in having too many freedoms. Hell yes, there are. You know, the idea of having zero rights, that sounds terrible. But what about too many freedoms? Too many rights. Entitled to feel like I could say anything I want. I could write anything I want. I could write a movie about anything I want. I could write a book about anything I want. And you have to do it in this voice. The rebellious, defiant voice. I could write a song with the lyrics of my choice. I can criticize anybody I want. You know, freedoms are a wonderful thing. I support them, I back them, I love them, I cherish them, I value them. But they can be abused as well. All right, where were we? Let me get back on track. Oh yeah, this is episode 49. Did you know that? 49. Okay? And that wasn't even me speaking right there. That was the speech translation app I have. I just said 49 back there. I'll do it again. 49. What did you hear? What did you actually hear come out of your earbuds or the phone right there? I bet you heard Spanish. I bet you did. All right, but because this is episode 49, you know damn well what the number 49 means. San Francisco 49ers? No. I mean, yes, they're called the 49ers, but it's based on the gold rush. This is great California history. I wonder how many 49ers fans have no clue why the team is named the 49ers. Like in Philadelphia. I wonder if there's any fans in Philly who are like, why, why are we called the Sixers? The 76ers, you gotta go back to school. But the 49ers, which has always been a great team name. And now Greg Papa, who's the best play-by-play radio voice in the game, is the voice of the 49ers. And he said, I'm not going to say Niners. I'm going to say the full name, 49ers. I don't even know if people care, but I thought that's kind of cool. Say the full name, 49ers. Although most people just say I'm a Niner fan. But what are we even talking about in the first place? Yeah, we're talking about Coloma, California. If you've ever been on one of these river rafting trips, maybe you've been by Sutter's Mill. So let me take you down, because we're going to Sutter's Mill. James Marshall is the name. James Marshall finds gold at Sutter's Mill in Coloma, California. We're going back to 1840... Okay, I guess that started in 1848, but by 1849, 49 was the big boom. That year was the biggest boom for the people seeking gold. I remember in fifth grade, we did a gold rush simulation where the teachers just put painted rocks in the creek. That's the only day of elementary school I think I remember. It's weird how the human brain works. I mean, I remember a couple things, a couple of teachers, but in terms of actual lessons and activities, that's it. Gold rush day. Gold Rush Day at Dixie, we'd go to Miller Creek and they'd put fake gold pebbles in the creek, painted gold, and it was the best. And we were doing a Gold Rush simulation. But back on topic, 49, 
1849. What's happening? Well, I'll just read it. Why act like it's in my head? I got to read it right now. Hold on. Let me look this up. Okay. So James Marshall finds gold. The news spreads. Approximately 300,000 people come to California from the rest of the U.S. and even abroad. The sudden influx of gold into the money supply reinvigorated the American economy and the sudden population increase allowed California to go rapidly into statehood with the Compromise of 1850. Are you sleeping or are you riveted by this? I think this is riveting. When did I become such a history dork? And dork is a fine word. It's like nerd nowadays. Nerd is not an insult either. People are proud to be a nerd. Or at least you... <laughs> um, the effects of the gold rush, very substantial. Indigenous societies were attacked, pushed off their land by the gold seekers. And what were the gold seekers known as? 49ers. Damn, right? Picture this for a moment. Has there ever been a good movie about these 49ers? Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen a good historical fiction movie about the gold rush, which is what the 49ers football team calls their dance squad. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the gold rush. But wow, get rich quick. And it's kind of cool that I've been to Coloma. You'd think Coloma would be like Las Vegas, like a lot of glamour and glitz. But no, it looks exactly... I'm guessing it looks exactly like it did back in the 1840s. It's a boring little river rat town. That is rich history right there, folks. That is rich. Oh, is that rich? All right, I'm going to end with something weird. Feel free to just stop it right now. If you've heard enough and you're like, you know what? I got my fill. That's fine. I'm not offended. But I had a thought. And this is, I don't know if this is a dumb thought or a profound thought, but Every single night since my daughter was born, my wife reads her Goodnight Moon. Every single night. My daughter's now 15 months. Has not been one night without Goodnight Moon. So I've heard Goodnight Moon. I've even read it myself. It's a house rule. The little girl gets Goodnight Moon before bed with a little bottle. And I've realized it's only taken me 15 months to realize this, but I don't love this book. There's a lot of children's books that I love. I love. But this one seems to be the most popular. Everybody listening right now knows it. You probably have it. If you're a parent, you've probably read it to your kids. And you probably remember it being read to you. So Good Night Moon by Margaret Wise Brown. Pictures by Clement Hurd. It's a good name. Clement Hurd. Or is it Clement? No, it's Clement. What? Now I'm having trouble with that name. All right, so uh, I'm going to end this podcast by just reading it, but I'm going to tell you my issues with the book real quick. All right, it starts with, in the great green room, there was a telephone and a red balloon and a picture of, all right, why is there a balloon? It's a helium balloon. And why is there a rabbit in a bed? Oh, also, if you look on page one, there's just a leopard carpet. What is this, Entourage with Vincent Chase? Just a leopard, a dead leopard made into a carpet. Look closely. And then the cow jumping over the moon. That's page two. Okay, that's a painting. Decent. I have nothing to say about the actual cow jumping over the moon. And then there's three little bears sitting on chairs. Okay, fine. Another painting. Three little bears sitting on chairs. I'm good with it. And two little kittens and a pair of mittens. And then in this picture, you can see there's a fire in the fireplace. I don't see any humans around to tend to this fire. So it immediately is a scary situation. 
And then there's very scary dolls on the bookshelf. If you look closely, it's not about the kittens, folks. Oh, no. It's not even about the damn mittens. It's about scary dolls. And Clement heard, hey, Clement, you could have spent some more time on the dolls. You know, Clement puts all of his effort into drawing these kittens and mittens, but then you look on the shelf, you're like, ooh, that's scary. That doesn't even match the art on the right side of the page. And a little toy house and a young mouse. How do you know how old the mouse is? And a comb and a brush and a bowl full of mush. Why is that mush in the bedroom? Keep it in the kitchen. How long has it been out? And what's mush? Should I just assume oatmeal, cream of wheat? Anybody eating cream of wheat anymore? Why are they eating mush? Come on. And then here's something that bugs me. A quiet old lady who was whispering hush. That's a rabbit in a rocking chair knitting. I don't see a lady. No one calls a rabbit a lady, even though this rabbit's wearing a dress. Don't bullshit me and call that a lady. I got eyeballs, Clement. A good night room. Okay. That leopard carpet continues to creep me out. Is that just a dead animal? Carcass? Taxidermy? What are we looking at? Uh, And now there's another rabbit in bed. If I walked into this room, I think uh, it'd be the biggest nightmare of my life. Uh, Good night, moon. I'm going to turn the page. Good night, cow jumping over the moon. Fine. Uh, Good night, light and the red balloon. The fire's still burning. Nobody's tending to that. Everyone's going to go to sleep with the fire going. You should never do that. And nobody's touching the mush. Apparently, it's just disgusting. And they forgot to bring it back to the sink. So it's just sitting there. Good night, bears. Good night, chairs. Good night, kittens. Good night, mittens. Okay. Good night, clocks. And good night, socks. Socks? Who says good night to their socks? And why are they hanging on a clothesline? Is this like a studio? Shouldn't that be in the laundry room? This old lady's in a nightgown. No, I called her a lady. It's a rabbit. This old rabbit lady is in a nightgown looking at her wet socks and her kittens are playing with the ball of yarn. Are you going to knit that yarn or is it a kitten toy? You got to clarify that, Margaret Wise and Clement, lazy Clement. All right, turn the page. Good night, little house. So is this a little house? Am I saying good night to the house that they're in right now? Or is this just a completely different storyline? Next page. Good night, mouse. We already declared that. All right, good night, comb. Good night, brush. I'm okay with that. But if you look on the left, the mouse is getting a little too close to the fire. A little too close to the fire. That mouse will be incinerated in five, four, three, two. You need a human in this house. You got too many kittens and mice and rabbits. Not enough humans, but you do have too many human things, like nicely framed art. And now here's the worst part. I turn the page. It says, good night, nobody. That's weak writing. That is, I mean, that's empty plot development. This is one of the most famous books of all time. And they wasted a page with zero illustrations. What, did Clement have the week off? Hey, Mr. Hurd, where'd you go? Cancun? With your boys? Because Goodnight Nobody doesn't work for me. And if you're going to get pictures by Clement Hurd, if you're the wizard illustrator, you can't just drop nothing on a page and say, uh, Goodnight Nobody. Yeah, we're late for our deadline. Our publisher's been breathing down our necks. Uh, What do we do on page 17? I don't know. Nothing. And then it says Goodnight Mush, and then here's the final page. And Goodnight... No, it's not the final page. We got more. Good night to the old lady whispering hush. Okay, so the lights are off. The fire's still going. The kittens are awake. The old lady's pissed off. She's like, shh, shh, okay? Shut the f... Nope, no swearing. But you know this old rabbit lady. She's about to swear. When the book ends, she's just going to tell the kittens and the mouse, shut the f... Good night, stars. Good night, air. Good night, noises everywhere. Okay, I think I like the book again. 
I think I just had to get that. Oh, no, I just saw it. It's the little house inside this room. Okay, so what size house are they in? Probably a very small house. You know how I know that? I'm going to use some logic. Because if you saw a rabbit in a bed looking like the size of a human, that's probably just a small bed. And the rabbit kind of fills the room like a human would fill a normal room. But because we know the size of rabbits, we know this is a small room. Did that make any sense? Good night noises everywhere. All right, that'll do it for episode 49. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.